Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, this morning is the last week in our series on a new way to be human. Pastor Barry is going to be preaching with you next week. And watch out, because he's had a few weeks off. And uh, when you've got the preach on you, and you have a few weeks off, you better watch out, because he's going to come with something amazing next week. So be ready for that. But um, this morning, we're going to be wrapping up our series called A New Way to Be Human. Uh, I just want to recap for you really quick what we've been talking about for the past month. Week one, we talked about the fact that, or we talked, the question was, where are you living at? Where are you living? There are two kingdoms we discovered. There's God's kingdom. And there's the world's kingdom. And these two kingdoms are completely incompatible with each other. They, uh, their opposite is day and night. And we got to choose one that we're going to operate from. So the first week was about where are you going to live? Which kingdom are you going to operate out of? Because we have a choice where we're going to live and where we're going to operate out of. And uh, we said seek the kingdom first. That's the key. Week two, the question was what are you thinking? How many of you have ever asked that to somebody? What are you thinking? We found out that the world and the kingdom also have different ways of thinking, and those two ways of thinking are also incompatible, completely polar opposites. And we found out that our minds aren't redeemed at the time of salvation, therefore they're in this process of renewal, and that process of renewal looks like us being active participants, where we have to capture the old ways of thinking, which were lies, and we have to replace them with the new way of thinking, which is found in the Word of God and is the truth. Last week, the question was, who were you bringing? We learned that the kingdom of God was meant to expand. It wasn't meant to stay small, but it was like a mustard seed that starts out very small, and it expands to a massive plant. And the cool part about this is that the, uh, the kingdom of God started with Jesus on this earth, uh, the, bringing the kingdom of God to the earth, and it started with one person uh, in Jesus, and he invited us to participate in expanding the kingdom. It's his plan for expanding the kingdom is through us. And so we learned that there's a couple of ways to do this, uh, this thing called kingdom evangelism, even though it's really kind of intimidating to a lot of us. One of those ways is to be a Jesus billboard. And what does that mean? That means living your life in such a way that people are going to ask questions because we're living in the kingdom and not in the world because they're two polar opposite kingdoms. We're going to stand out from the world and we're going to get asked some questions. And that, those questions and that way of living aren't necessarily like we go in expecting to live this way to get asked questions. We just live as a natural outflow of who we are. It's just the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of our life. And so it's not hard to do. It's just living and being ready to answer some questions when people have them. The second part of living that life where we're doing kingdom evangelism is exercising the power that we've been given access to. Jesus gave us access. He said, go into the world, preach the gospel to all creature in the book of Mark, right? And then after that, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll see him recover. And then he went on, he listed supernatural works that we have access to because we are part of the kingdom. And uh, so we can lay hands on the sick and we can see them recover. And uh, we have access to power like that resurrection power that I talked about just a couple minutes ago, we have access to that power. And so when we come upon someone who, you know, let's say is sick, for example, maybe someone who is blind, and we lay hands on them, we say in the name of Jesus, recover, and Jesus does a miracle, um, how many know it's pretty easy to win someone to the Lord when that happens, right? Okay, so these, those are, who are you bringing? That was the question. It's all about evangelism. This week, or last week, the question is this, where are you going? Where are you going? And the question I guess I wrestle with as we contemplate that question is, you know, and I, I touched on this I think a couple of weeks ago, but if the kingdom of God has come, then why do bad things still happen? Like if the kingdom of God has come and if I'm, I'm saved, why do, why, why do I still get sick? Why do I still get tired? Why do, I, why, why do the saints, why do God's people still die? You know, if the kingdom has, has come, then why is that stuff happening? Well, the short answer to that question is this, is that the kingdom hasn't, it's come, the kingdom is here, but yet it's not fully here. It's like we're getting the preview of the movie, but we're not really entitled yet to see the entire thing because the kingdom has not fully come on this earth. And I told you in week one that um, the kingdom of God isn't just a location, Right? We said it wasn't just a location, but the kingdom refers to like the rule or the authority that God has over any area. That is the full kingdom. However, however, 
The place where the kingdom operates in its fullness is a location. There's one place right now where the kingdom operates in its fullness, and that is a location, and we call it heaven, right? We get glimpses of it on earth, but uh, heaven operates in the kingdom fully right now. I mean, we get glimpse of, glimpses of healings, we get glimpses of you know, abundance and some of those things on the earth, but we don't fully always see that because sometimes we pray for people who love Jesus and they still get sick or we pray for them and they still pass away. That still happens. And so, but we get glimpses once in a while, right? But we don't get the full picture quite yet. Our minds are being renewed. I talked about a few weeks ago and our spirits are, are renewed at the time of salvation, but the rest of this world's in a state of decay. Our bodies are a part of this world system, and so they're still, in, uh, they're still in decay. And so when we pray for those things, sometimes they don't happen because we're still subject to this world. In this world, there is sin, and there's the consequences of sin, which is death and decay, that we still have to live with. And so sometimes when we pray for those things, they don't happen. But in heaven, where the fullness of the kingdom is operating right now, those things don't exist because the curse is not found in the kingdom of God, in, in the fullness of of the kingdom of God. But it doesn't stop people from this, in this world from wanting that. And you know, it's interesting, even people who don't know Jesus want the kingdom of God. They want the fullness of the kingdom. And you know, a couple of areas or a couple of places or a couple of groups that come to mind when I think about this, one of them is Disney World, right? Disney World. And uh, Disney World goes to great lengths to create an atmosphere in which everybody can be happy. They want people to be happy, so they have, they have rules about garbage, they have rules about um, people staying in character when they're at Disney World, uh, they, have, they have atmosphere teams, they have people come in and do studies just to create this atmosphere where everybody's happy because they want it to be the happiest place on earth, and if you go there, there is a joy there, and you think, man, this maybe is the happiest place on earth, and then you get the credit card bill, and you're like, no, this is, this is not the happiest place on earth, I'm not the happiest person on earth right now, Right? But um, another example of this is Pastor Barry was in my office this week, and he was reading to me the, the charters of the UN. Like, they have, like, goals, you know, and they, they list them out. It's like seven or eight, and uh, things like, you know, no more poverty and peace and, um, you know, a, a restored environment and things like this. And as he wrote, he was reading down those goals, and they're all really worthy, good goals. As he was done reading those things, I made this mention because I, I said, they're talking about the kingdom of God. They're talking about the kingdom. That's what they want. They, they, like, they want it. You know, and even at Disney World, people, they get hooked on that experience at Disney World because of the way it makes them feel when they go into that place. It truly does kind of transform the atmosphere and makes it feel magical. And people, they desire that and they crave it. You know, there's environmentalists that spend their entire lives trying to restore the planet and trying to make the planet better and try to make, uh, you know, just this physical world a better place and, and, and for it to be restored. And that's, uh, these are worthy goals, all of them. But here's the thing, you can't have the fullness of the kingdom without the king, right? So they're craving the kingdom of God and the fullness of it, but it's never going to happen because they're denying the king. But for us, you know, this utopian society that people want and we crave and we want it, um, for us it's a reality. And, and maybe not right now, but it's in our future. If we love Jesus and we're following him with our whole hearts, this utopia that we crave is something that we are going to experience. And again, we call it heaven, right? This is the place where the kingdom is operating in its fullness. There's two ways to experience the fullness of that kingdom. Um, we can experience it by going to the capital of the kingdom, the heart of the kingdom, um, through a process we call death, right? It's not very fun, but as we as Christians, when we die, uh, I want to read for you in Luke chapter 23, verses 42 through 43, just to set the scene up for you. Jesus is on the cross, and he's got a thief on one side and a thief on the other, and this thief starts talking to Jesus. And this is where we pick up the story, for verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you that today you're going to be with me in paradise. So this verse tells us a couple things. Or, I mean, it tells us one thing in particular, that when we, uh, when we die, Jesus knew that they were going to die, both of them, that, that very day in the afternoon. He knew that they were going to die, and he said, as soon, basically what Jesus is saying is, as soon as we die, we're going to go to paradise. We're going to go to heaven, and you're going to be with me. And so we know also that the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when we die, that is where we go. We go to the fullness of the kingdom, the capital of the kingdom, the place where the fullness of the kingdom 
is expressed, and that's heaven. The second way that you would get to heaven or uh, you would experience the fullness of the kingdom is by being on earth when the kingdom arrives in its fullness. And we call that event the rapture. And that, I'm going to read about that for you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. It says this, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, that's us, the believers, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, Christians who have, who have died before us. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, in the, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That's called the rapture. So basically, those of us who are still alive on the earth at that time when Jesus comes back will remain, we'll get caught up together with him in the air because the Bible tells us he's coming down. We will go up to meet him, and that is the beginning of heaven for us. And I don't have time to go into all the end time details that go into the next, that next part of future history. That's for another sermon. But suffice it to say, that's the beginning of heaven for those of us who are still alive. Um, so, but regardless of how we arrive there, Heaven is our hope, and it's a reward as though of those who follow Jesus. It's our hope. It's our reward. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians are not really excited about heaven. Most of us have been sold an image of heaven that is so boring that is barely better than eternal torment, right? We have misconceptions of heaven. The enemy has done such a good job of making heaven look uh, unfamiliar and boring as possible that we don't necessarily even get excited to think about it. I mean, we don't want to go to eternal torment, but the thought of heaven isn't much better either. And there's a couple of misconceptions that people have, a lot of misconceptions that people have and Christians have about heaven, and I carried some of these misconceptions. Uh, we did a series about, I look, look back, it was 2016, we did a series called No Place Like Home. And in that series, I, we did a lot of studying because it was a series about heaven. And uh, in that series, man, I just, my mind was so blown, and I didn't realize how many misconceptions I had about heaven until I got into that series, and uh, I started to get really excited about what heaven is. Um, but here's some of the misconceptions that maybe you have, and I, and I know I've had at times in my life. It, number one, that is, is boring, you know? Uh, there's a Far Side comic there, and that's typical, you know, you got the, you got the angel and the cloud, and you got the halo, and he's like, man, I... Wish I would have brought a magazine. I'm sitting here in eternity in a cloud, and I got nothing to do. You know, I wish I had something to do. That heaven is going to be boring. Another misconception is that it's going to be this never-ending worship service in the sky. You know, you always, like, imagery of clouds and a big temple and a bunch of people around God, and all we're doing, we're just worshiping forever and ever and ever and ever. And I've been a part of some really great worship services, but the thought of being in a worship service forever, that bores me to tears. I'll be honest with you. Um, the idea that we're ghosts that kind of float around on clouds with wings, you know? We get that idea that we're just these spirits that just kind of hover everywhere. And along with that, we get this idea that we're just, we're mindless drones. We have no individuality, no intellect. We're just kind of there. It's like, it's like, we, it's, it's like one of the misconceptions is we don't even know anything about life on earth or past relationships. Like once we get to heaven, like we'll be reset, you know, and we'll, we'll think a different way and God's gonna mindlessly control us and we won't have individuality. Another misconception is it's a place where there's no time. You know, Christians here or people have heard that it's eternal, and so they think, well, it's a realm outside of time, and time has no meaning, and that's just honestly completely untrue. Um, and the fact that it'll be unfamiliar. You know, you put that, you paint that picture of heaven, and it doesn't look interesting, and it doesn't look like fun. It doesn't look exciting. But here's the, uh, here's the truth of it. Heaven is a fulfillment of everything that we've longed for in this world and can't find. The Bible tells us that we are supposed to run the race to receive the prize. That's what Paul said. I run the race. And so what was he saying by that? He's, basically what he's saying is, I have sacrificed so that I can, re, I can attain the prize. What was the prize he was talking about? It was heaven. And so Paul tells us to run the race to achieve the prize. But here's the deal, church. Most of us don't even know what the prize is. And even though we might know the name of the prize, it looks so unappealing that nobody wants to sacrifice to get there. You know what I'm saying? But that shouldn't be the case. We, need to, we should know about the prize. It should be our motivation. It should be what we look to. It should be what gets us out of bed in the morning. It should be what excites us. Because how many of you know when you got a good reward, you'll do anything 
to get that reward, right? I mean, you will sacrifice and you will, you will you know, move heaven and earth so you can get that reward if it's good enough. If, you like it, if, it's, a, if it's a grand prize of a million dollars, you're going to do whatever you can to get that million dollars. I don't know, but my kids watch Mr. Beast sometimes. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a YouTuber, but he does these crazy extreme challenges where he's like, you know, here's a circle, stay in it for whoever, whoever leaves last. Um, gets, you know, a million dollars. And these people will go days without food, without water. You know, they'll go days and just in these little tiny spaces with no sleep so they can achieve the prize. When the prize is good enough, you'll do anything you can to achieve the prize. But we need to know what the prize is. And so this morning, I want to let you know what the real heaven is going to be like. And here's the thing, church. I think a lot of Christians have this other misconception that the Bible doesn't say much about heaven. But oh my goodness, that is so wrong. The Bible contains so much about heaven that I'm, not, I'm just barely going to scratch the surface of heaven today. We did a series, like I said, in 2016, and we took four or five weeks to unpack heaven, maybe longer, and we couldn't even unpack everything there was to unpack about heaven in those four or five weeks because there is so much in the scripture. So today, I'm just going to hit the highlights. I'm going to hit the, the, the overview of heaven with you this morning, but I would highly encourage you because I think the church needs to know about heaven um, I would highly encourage you to look into it yourself, and there's a couple of really good books that I would recommend. Number one, if you're, if you're a book reader, they have these audio too, so you can audio book it, but there's a book called Heaven by Randy Elkhorn. That's one we drew on heavily when we did our series in 2016. Uh, there's another book called All Things New, and uh, the author of that is John Eldritch. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart years ago and became kind of famous for that, but those are two great books on heaven because I'm not going to have enough time to go through everything that heaven encompasses this morning, but you need to know about it. So, But I do want to tell you a little bit about what heaven's going to be like, the real heaven and what it's going to be like. So let's get started this morning. The first thing that we're, you'll realize about heaven is that heaven is going to be in a place called the new heaven and the new earth. The new heaven, according to Revelation chapter 20, 1 through 4, 21, I'm sorry, 1 through 4, the new heaven will be come down out of the sky, um, presumably, as a city. What's in a city? Well, in a city there are streets. In a city there are buildings. In a city there are parks. In a city there are people. In a city there is museums, and there's culture, and there's music. These are all things that are in a city. This is completely relatable. We live in a city. We go to cities all the time, big cities like Minneapolis or Chicago, and we go to these places, but heaven is going to be a gargantuan city. That's what heaven's going to be. And this, again, I'm, I'm skipping over a lot of future history to get there, but this is the, our ultimate destination. Heaven is going to be a city. And not only is it going to be a city, it's going to be on a new earth. And when I say a new earth, I don't mean a completely different place than the earth that we're familiar with and we love. I'm talking about an earth, the same earth that we are on right now, just better, because it will be renewed. It's a renewed earth. Some Christians get the idea that this earth, this earth is going to be completely demolished, and God's going to recreate a brand new earth. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that the old heavens and the old earth will pass away. It's the same verbiage, that, that phrase, passed away. I looked it up in the Greek. It's the same verbiage that they use in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone or passed away. Same word, same, same verbiage as what heaven and earth passing away. Um, and the new has come. So when we get saved, and I talked about this actually in this series, when we get saved, we get, our spirits get transformed, right? But are we a different person? No, we're really not. We're the same us, right? We have the same memories. We have the same, um, you know, physical body, unfortunately, for some of us that we had beforehand. Um, but when we, uh, but, but it's the same us. It, we, it passed away. The old passed away, but the new has come, and the new is very familiar because it's the same us. When the earth and the heavens pass away, it doesn't mean that it's a brand new earth. It's the same earth that we live on right now, but it's free from the curse. So decay sickness, disease, garbage, you know, all that stuff will be gone and it will just be made better. I mean, I think about this earth and I have, I've gone to some, I've seen some cool stuff in my 43 years, but there are some places on my bucket list that I would love to see on this world. I don't know about you, but one of those places that I would love to see, and I got some pictures to show you, but I'd love to go to the Maldives. Um, the Maldives. I would love to, they have these little huts where you just, you know, I imagine get up, getting up in the morning and throwing open the curtains and just seeing a wide open turquoise, beautiful, clear ocean in front of me and just being able to swim and having a pool. I don't know, I go there and I'm just, the thought of like just sleeping over water I think is amazing. 
The closest I probably, I would love to go here, maybe I will someday, by the grace of God, in this life, but I mean, the closest I'll ever probably get to like sleeping on water is a tent and a raft in Lake Aquabi. That's probably as close as I'll ever get. But this would be a beautiful place to go. Brad, see if you can hook that up for me, Brad. All right, thank you. Brad's, Brad's our local Aquabi uh, expert. Uh, Banff National Park is in Canada. Um, Beautiful. I've hiked in the mountains. The mountains are beautiful. Being able to, and that's not that very far away, but being able to see vistas like this and, and amazing, you know, look at that lake, how incredibly blue it is. And uh, just being able to see a place like that is amazing. Um, I get a chance to do research because um, I get a chance to do slideshows for missionaries sometimes. We have missionaries all over the world. One of those places is Bolivia. And so I never knew this existed until I was looking for a picture of Bolivia um, for a slideshow. And then I came up with this, and I thought, I immediately want to go there. These are the salt flats in Bolivia. And they go on for miles and miles and miles. And it looks like a mirror because it's so crystal clear. And you can see it. I mean, obviously, it looks like you know, two skies stacked on top of each other. I want to go there someday and experience that. There's this place called the Devil's Pool, and it's in Zambia, and you can see it right there. It's on the edge of this waterfall, but it's safe, and you can go there, and you can just sit in this pool, this natural pool, and you can, like, sit at the edge of the falls. And, I, you know, I imagine someday it would be a blast to go there, but again, I'm probably, probably not going to get to Zambia any time in my life, or Switzerland is another place that I would love to visit. You know, these little towns and these valleys where you have these huge mountains all around, and everything's green, and it's lush. And uh, I want to go there. I don't know about you, but I got places on this earth that I want to go because this earth is amazing. And it's amazing to me that we've had, thousands, we've had thousands of years of people on this earth and probably trillions of people within those times. And there's still places on earth that haven't been explored. Even the depths of the ocean, I can't remember what percentage, every time I hear the percentage, it blows my mind, but a small fraction of the percentage of the ocean has actually been um, explored. But imagine having all the time in the world to be able to see the same things that you're seeing now, just better. You know, you ever see those, um, sometimes they have those videos of expectation versus reality, and they'll take people to these famous places, you know, because influencers, they always go to these famous places, and some people will want to go there because they've seen it, and they'll go there, and they show the expectation where, you know, it's great, and you're the only person there, and it looks like you're, you know, you're in this amazing vista, and you're the only one hanging out, and then there's a reality, and then they zoom out, and there's all these people, and it's super crowded, and it's, there's garbage all over the place. It'll be a place where the expectation meets and exceeds the expectation, it's going to be without the decay, without the death, without the garbage on all the, the junk and pollution and things like that. It's the same earth that we live on, but we're going to get a lifetime, not a lifetime, we're going to get an eternity to explore it and to go to the places that we want to go. And it's going to be better than it is today. How many of you think that sounds like an exciting place to go? Yeah? Well, that's just one thing. That's just one thing. Not only are we going to be on a new earth, but we're going to have new bodies. When we die or raptured, we receive new bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verses 42 and 43, Paul says this. It's the same with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies will be buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They'll be buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. The renewed body is going to be amazing. These bodies will be an upgrade of the current bodies that we already have. And my proof for that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. It says that Jesus is the first fruits of all the resurrected. In other words, Jesus, when he walked this earth after he was resurrected, a lot of Christians don't understand that after he was resurrected on Easter morning, he spent another 40 days on this earth with the disciples. From the time he was resurrected until he left this, the earth, 40 days after that, he was on this earth. And when he was there, his body that he functioned in was his resurrection body, his glorified body. The body that was sown in weakness, raised in strength, was the one that Jesus walked around in. So if you want a preview of what our bodies are going to be like, then look at what Jesus did after he was resurrected and before he ascended to heaven. Well, what did he do when he was in that time frame? Well, number one, he hung out with the disciples. He interacted with them. In fact, he told Thomas, because Thomas was a doubter, he said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is, is resurrected until I get a chance to, you know, see the, see the scars in his hands and put my hand in his side. And so Jesus said, all right. So Jesus appeared to him and he said, hey, Thomas, go ahead, put your hand here. Go ahead, right here. 
He said, touch me. He said to his disciples, feel me. He was tangible. He was physical. He was real. The body that he had is the body that we will have. It can't get much more familiar than that. However, it will be an upgraded body. There were things that Jesus could do. Well, I should say another thing that he did with the disciples is he ate. Can anybody say amen? amen? He ate with them on more than one occasion. In fact, that's one of the things he did to prove that he was real. He said, I'm gonna, let's eat. Give me some food. I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. So we're gonna, so, but there were things that Jesus could do that we cannot right now in our current state do. Um, let me give you a couple examples. He was on the road with these two guys into a place called Emmaus, and they sat down together. They'd been talking for a while. They sat down together to eat. Jesus prayed for the food. After he prayed, these two men recognized who he was because they were disciples, and then Jesus was gone. He disappeared. The disciples were gathered together in a home shortly after, um, shortly after Jesus was resurrected. Um, they were still afraid of the Romans, and so they got together in a house. They had all the doors locked, Okay, because they were afraid that the Romans were going to find them. And then all of a sudden, right in the midst of all the disciples, boom, Jesus appears. Peace be with you, you know. I'm like, he's got to have a sense of humor. He just appears, freaks them out. They were scared, thought he was a ghost. Said, oh, hey, peace be with you. Peace be with you, guys. It's just me. And uh, then he said, touch me and give me something to eat. But he could appear and re- he could disappear and reappear places. He could do things that our current bodies can't do. But his body is a prototype. And some of the things that I didn't mention is we're going to have bodies that are going to be free from the curse. What does that mean? That means that we are going to have bodies that are going to be strong, bodies that are no longer um, susceptible to disease, to genetic mutations and deformities. We're going to have bodies that uh, will last forever, that will be indestructible. We're going to have bodies that no longer will have to be, uh, never have to worry about cancer, multiple sclerosis, ALS muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's, arthritis, diabetes, pneumonia, headaches, cerebral palsy. I have a friend who has cerebral palsy. He's got a mind sharp as a tack. Our friend Casey, he's not here today. He has cerebral palsy. But he has a mind sharp as a tack, but his, he can't communicate very well in his body. He can't do what he wants it to do. I'm looking forward to a day where he loves sports. I'm looking forward to a day when I can just go hang out with him and we can play baseball together because he loves baseball. And he can just be in a complete body and he probably beat me. I'm looking forward to that day. Our bodies will be renewed. They will be made new. They will be not susceptible to sickness anymore. They're going to be strong. You get out of bed in the morning, and you're not going to creak and crap and groan. You're going, to be, you're going to be able to meet the day with a beautiful, restored body, a body 2.0. It's going to be pretty amazing. Not only will our body be transformed, be made new, and be made right as it should be, but our, our mind, our brain, will be restored too. So that means that things like autism, PTSD, depression, anxiety, brain damage, mental handicaps. I mentioned genetic mutations, Down syndrome. You know, those things that limit us in this world will no longer limit us. I mean, imagine, you know, and I I can think because I know some families that they have uh, family members um, that have autism and they're nonverbal in their communication. They can't talk. Imagine in heaven when you can sit down with your family member who is autistic and you can have a conversation maybe for the first time ever, and get to hear what they have to say, get to hear what's on their mind fully and know fully what's going on in their hearts and in their minds and be able to communicate and have conversations and go on walks and you know, just get their heart for maybe the first time ever. How amazing will that be? Never having to worry about depression or suicide or anxiety again, just being fully free in a new body. How amazing is that gonna be? So we're gonna be on this incredible new earth with these incredible new bodies. We're going to have perfect relationships in heaven. Luke 16, 19 through 31, we get this story of the rich man and Lazarus. Because people get this idea that once we get to heaven, we're not going to know anybody anymore. We're going to be like completely reset. We're going to look totally different. Well, I have just told you that our bodies that we have, um, when Jesus was walking around this world after he was resurrected, they knew who he was. He didn't look different. They knew who he was, right? They recognized him. And so we're going to have these new bodies, but... They get this idea that we're not going to be able to know each other. Well, the rich man and Lazarus, the story found in Luke 16, 19 through 31. I'm not going to take time to read it, but I'll kind of paraphrase it for you. You have this, this peek into the afterlife where there's this rich man who's in hell, Lazarus who's in heaven, and Abraham from the Bible is with Lazarus, and they're having a conversation, and, La- and the rich man's asking Abraham to send Lazarus to his brothers and sisters or to his brothers, rather, so that, they can, so that they'll turn their lives around and start living for the Lord so they won't end up in hell like him. 
What does that tell us? That tells us that, number one, Lazarus knew, or the rich man knew who Lazarus was because they had a relationship before they ever came into the afterlife. He knew who Abraham was. He knew who his brothers were. He remembered things from his previous life. We're going to have relationships with people because we're going to be recognized and we're going to recognize them. And those memories are not going to be wiped as soon as we get to heaven and reset. We're, it's just going to be a continuation of what we already know. So you think about the people that you get to interact with when you have all the time in the world on this beautiful place with this body that's just incredible, and you're going to be able to interact with family and friends who love Jesus and went on before you. Maybe you got a grandmother or a grandfather that you love that maybe helped raise you and you haven't seen them for years because, you know, they passed away. You're going to be able to sit down with them and hang out with them again and be able to see them again, give them a hug. Family maybe that you've never met. People that were praying for you maybe uh, generations ago that you've never met, that have done incredible things that you get a chance to sit down and talk with. I know several of you in this place this morning, you've had miscarriages. You know, it's fairly common in our society to have miscarriages. Some of you have never got to meet those children, and, and you'll get a chance to meet them in heaven Get a chance to put your arms around them, to give them the biggest squeeze in the world, to sit down with them and just have a conversation and talk about everything that's been going on in their life. And you talk about your life and you just get a chance to love them and to be with them. How amazing is that going to be? You're going to see people of God who have lived throughout history, guys like David or Noah and you know other people who didn't make the Bible, who did incredible things, but you're going to get a chance to talk with them and to know them. You're going to get to hang out with your friends who work for the IRS. Oh, no, sorry, they won't be there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sure there's an island somewhere in heaven that they'll be able to hang out on. And that's just the humans. That's just the humans. We know that in, in heaven, there's servants of God who are angelic beings. They look vastly, some of them look vastly different from us. Um, we're going to get an opportunity to mingle with them and to talk with them. The Bible tells us that there's tens of millions of them, and so we get an opportunity to pick their brains and to spend time with them and build relationships with them and be friends with them. You may have not yet met in this life your best friend or your best group of friends. That may be yet to come. How incredibly awesome is that? And you'll have all the time to spend together deepening your relationships with each other. And some of these people that you knew before, like I said, like your grandparents, you know, maybe you're going to get an opportunity to go for a run with them, you know, where you never could on this earth because their bodies would limit them. Now you don't have body limitations anymore. You don't have time limitations. I think about friends that I have that I've met over my lifetime, and I love them, but I only get opportunities to see them once in a while when I go visit. You know, we might be in an area, and we're like, oh, we're close to, you know, so-and-so. Let's go visit them. You're not limited anymore. And like we sit down with them and I'm like, oh, I forget how much I love these people. It is so fun. And we make these promises to each other like we're going to see each other more. We're going to get, and we never do, you know, but we make these promises to see each other. But we're going to get time to deepen those relationships again, to catch up again and not have to be limited by time constraints, not have to be limited by space and by money and things like that. Not only are you going to have those relationships, but you're going to have those relationships without insecurity, you're not going to have those. You're going to have those relationships without gossip, without shame, without fear, without jealousy. Guys, you will be able to tell the story about the fish you caught, and you'll be able to actually tell the truth about how big it was. You won't have to exaggerate it because there won't be insecurity there. There won't be jealousy there. It's going to be perfect relationships. Being able to have those conversations without the effects of sin there. So we're going to be on this new earth. That's incredible. We already know it, but it's going to be even better. We're going to have new bodies that are very familiar, yet way better than the ones that we currently inhabit. We're going to have perfect relationships with people on this earth. There's going to be so much to do in this new world. One of the things that, the first thing I led with is people think heaven's going to be super boring. That's so untrue. There's going to be so much to do. I think sometimes we think about eternity, and it's hard for our minds, our finite minds to grasp eternity. Number one, I mentioned it before, but there's actually time in heaven. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, the fact that on the tree of life, there's a new crop every single month. There's martyrs in the book of Revelation that say, how much longer, Lord, should we wait? And the Lord says, just a little bit longer. So there's some function of time in heaven. Again, it's way more familiar than we think it is. Um, but there is this idea that we're going to have, um, excuse me a second. There's this idea that we're going to have so much, we're going to have time, and uh, we're going to have time to do things, because it's going to be an earth that's restored from the original design in the Garden of Eden. What is the first thing that God gave Adam and Eve to do in the Garden of Eden? He gave them work. Remember that? 
Like work was one of the things. In paradise, there was work. Most of us are like, what? I thought heaven was just going to be a big day off, you know? No, there's going to be work to do. You see, after the fall came toil. Um, and that word for toil in the Hebrew means pain, labor, hardship, and sorrow. Those are the things that came with work after the fall. But there was work before the fall, and it was enjoyable. Maybe some of you in this room have a job you love, and you really feel fulfilled when you go there, and you really enjoy it. And on your best days, you know, when, when you're not having to deal with, you know, the nonsense that comes with work sometimes, you're just really loving your job, and you're loving it. It's going to be like that having work that we enjoy, that we can put ourselves into. Maybe there's some kind of skill or craft that you've always wanted to master, but you just don't, again, don't have the time or the resources to be able to do that. Maybe woodworking, or maybe there's an instrument that you have always wanted to learn, or a language that you've always wanted to learn. There's going to be learning in heaven, the Bible tells us. We're going to continue to learn. It's not like we just instantly flip a switch and we know everything once we get to heaven. There's going to be learning that takes place, and there's going to be an opportunity to hone skills that we love and to do work that we really enjoy. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 65 that we're going to build houses and plant vineyards. It tells us we're going to be doing things. The Bible tells us that we're going to reign and we're going to govern with Jesus on this earth. You know, maybe be part of Jesus' cabinet, you know? doing things and reigning and serving him in so many different capacities and ways according to our skills and our giftings and, and our abilities. It's going to be an amazing time. There's going to be parties to attend in heaven. In fact, there's going to be one honking huge party like the world's never seen called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be amazing. I mean, I know how good the parties here on earth are. I can't amaz- imagine a heavenly party. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be things to do in heaven, and we're going to have limitless time to do the things that we love to do. There are going to be animals in heaven, for those of you that are animal lovers. Um, The revelations that tells us that Jesus is coming back on a white horse, right? The armies of heaven are coming back on horseback. There's going to be animals in heaven. In fact, Isaiah 65 mentions flocks, which is like poultry, right? Herds, which is like cattle, sheep, wolves, lambs, ox, snakes, lions, You'll notice in that list, it does not mention cats. (laughs) Pastor Donnie, where are cats going to be? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Pastor Pastor Donnie says they're the guardians of the underworld, so um, it's it's just scripture. It's just scripture. And there may not be cats. Uh, No, I'm sure there'll be cats. Um, But uh, they will be different. The animals in heaven will look different. The wolf, it says, this is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. The wolf will, lay, will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas." The animals will be tame. It'll be different. There won't be danger anymore with the animals. We'll be able to live in harmony like Adam and Eve did in the garden, once again, with the animal kingdom. And I don't know if there's such thing as pets, but I really, as much, as much of a hard time as I give to, to cat owners, I would really love a black panther. I think that would be super cool. <laughs> you know? But they will be domesticated animals. They'll be, um, there'll be peace among them. There won't be death there. And so Uh, We get this opportunity to interact with these incredible creatures that we could never interact with. We could only look at at a distance or hunt before. Now we get an opportunity to actually get up close and personal with them and be able to interact with them. I think that's going to be pretty amazing. So, guys, that's that's a short overview of some of the things that heaven is going to be like. I mean, a brand new earth that is just amazing with a city called heaven in the middle of it that's going to be incredible. You know, the same earth that has beautiful deserts and jungles and mountains and beaches, but it's going to be on a place that doesn't have death and decay and reservations and canceled flights and all the things that go along and the stuff that we have to deal with now. We're going to have new bodies when we get there that are not subject to disease, not subject to decay, but they're strong bodies that can do things that our bodies typically right now can't do. you You want my honest opinion? why superheroes are so interesting to us, because I think somewhere deep down in our souls, God planted that idea in our hearts because he knew that someday these bodies will be able to do some of those things. 
And so we have this thing of superheroes and the amazing abilities that they have. But we have these new bodies and we're going to have so much time and we're going to have these perfect relationships and there's going to be things like animals on this new earth, this, this heaven that we're going to be a part of and we're going to be able to reign with Jesus Christ. I mean, does that sound like a cool place to go to you? Yeah, amen. That's what heaven is. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 2, because you might be asking yourself the question, well, Pastor Jared, heaven, that's great. Why is it so stinking important? I touched on it a little bit already, but Colossians 3, 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Simple verse. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why would Paul tell us to think about the things of heaven? Why would that same Paul say, run the race so that you can receive the prize? It's because there's something so important about having heaven on our mind because it should motivate us. There's three reasons that it's important to have heaven on our mind. Number one, it helps us to keep from falling to temptation. In week one, I talked about the temptations of this world and how they're gonna be fulfilled in the fulfillment of the kingdom, both now and later. But the mindset to defeat these temptations is to keep your eyes on the real deal. I, I, I have a... I got an iPad. My first tablet I ever received was an iPad. And um, I got it when I came here. I was a gift from my youth group. And it was great. Man, that, that iPad actually to this day still works. Um, even though it's, geez, 11 years old, almost 12 years old now. Um, it still works. And actually, if, the, if, it, if they updated the apps and stuff, it would work perfectly great. The battery still lasts like six to eight hours. It's amazing. Um, you know, it's responsive to touch, and, you know, the battery life is great, and it just always works the way it's supposed to. It's very intuitive and easy to use. Um, and, and I loved it so much, I was like, oh, I should, get the kids, I should get the kids' tablets. But I saw the price tag on iPads, and I said, well, they don't need a tablet that bad. Um, so, but I still wanted them to have one, so I went and got them a couple of, of off-brand iPads. Um, and uh, we got these, we got them home, and then right away when I got them, we started setting them up, and I'm... I realized my mistake right away because these, uh, these knockoff iPads, their touch response was horrible. It was very hard to navigate it. It was continual problems. They were crashing all the time. And so finally, over the years, we just broke down. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if we've ever bought our kids' iPads, but we've bought ourselves iPads, and somehow they turn into the kids' iPads. But either way, you know, you have these knockoff iPads, and, and I just, I started to realize, I'm like, there's just nothing like the real deal. So Apple, I'm looking for a sponsorship this morning if you're listening. Um, I'm giving you a shout out here. No, but for real, there's just nothing like the real, uh, there's, there's things that Apple does very well, and one of them's an iPad. And uh, there's just nothing like an iPad, you can't beat it. But so many times, you know, people will try to cut corners like I didn't suffer for a knockoff. And um, my question to us is, when we're considering this earth, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, what we're really doing is settling for a knockoff of the kingdom when we can have the real deal. But here's the thing. When we have the real, when we, number one, know what the real deal is, and number two, when it's on our minds and our hearts all the time because we're so excited about it, those knockoffs of this world look very unappealing to us. Just like when I, find, when I had my hands on an iPad, I don't want the knockoffs. When I really know what heaven is, and I'm really excited about it, I don't need the knockoff of this earth. I don't need to settle for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Stuff, when you have heaven on your heart, is not that important, because you know someday you're going to have it all. Reputation doesn't really matter, because you know that you're going to be recognized by the king of the universe on that day. It's easy to say no to yourself and your body when you know that heaven's on the line. It just puts things in such a perspective, and it helps us to defeat those temptations that easily so many Christians leave the kingdom because they run after these things of the world, but when you have the real deal in your heart, the things of the world just diminish, and they don't look that great. The second thing it helps us do to have kingdom mentality or have heaven on our mind is it helps us endure. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race, which is our Christian experience, our Christian life, our journey, and receive the heavenly prize, that's heaven, for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. I press on to reach the end of the race. When we realize that this world is not a reward but a shortstop on our way to paradise, it makes it easier to bear suffering in this world. It makes us questions that we have about why did I pray for this person and they did not get healed or why did I pray for this person and they died. It makes it so much easier to answer those questions when we realize that this life is a little tiny dot on a huge line called eternity. 
It's just a short stop. And then all those, and it also helps us to realize that all those prayers that we prayed for those in Christ are one day, very shortly, going to get answered. Every single one of them. It helps us reconcile those things in our mind. It helps us to ride out suffering because we know that uh, it's just temporary. We can have joy and we can have hope in the midst of suffering when we know that heaven is awaiting us. And especially for those of you that are going through horrific pain and, uh, you know, especially those with sickness, with like terminal illnesses or sicknesses that you have to deal with day in and day out and you're having to deal with pain, it is so much easier to bear those things when you have heaven on your heart. Because you know that, hey, I, I know I'm going through some hard things and it stinks right now and it sucks, but heaven is coming and it's gonna be grand and my body's gonna be completely remade and it's gonna be amazing. It's easy to endure when you have heaven on your heart. The last thing that makes that uh, having heaven in our mind helps us do is keep us on mission. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 25 through 27. I've alluded to these verses, but one more time. Everyone who competes in the games, it's Paul again, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not, have, I may not disqualify myself for the prize. So Paul, in this verse, he's making a distinction. He's, he's comparing us to athletes. And actually what he's really talking about is there was a competition that was not far from where he was at the time of writing this letter where they had like an Olympic-style competition. And he's saying these people go into strict training and they've disciplined their bodies in order to you know, win this crown that's going to fade away. And he said, and we do the same thing, except we do it for a prize that's eternal. We beat our bodies into submission. We make sacrifices so that we can attain the prize like soldiers, we're all given specific missions to accomplish on this earth. And ultimately, and unfortunately, many Christians have abandoned their mission in pursuit of things like money and pleasure. And that's, I talked about it before, but if we keep the goal in mind, the task is so much more important. I mean, when we have heaven on our mind, everything falls into its priority list the way it should. Because when you know, we see the things of the world and they tempt us, or we're tempted to get off mission, like God's given us a calling to do something specific or to go someplace specific or to, to serve a certain group of people specifically. And we look at that calling, but then we look at a life of security and we look at a life of comfortability and pleasure. So many times it's hard to make that decision. And so many times so many Christians go this direction when they should go this direction. But when we have heaven on our mind, we realize that the pleasures and the comfort and the security of this life are just a fleeting they're just for a fleeting second. And ultimately, eternity is in heaven. So when you have heaven on your mind and you're filtering your thought process through that, it's very easy to make that decision, isn't it? Very easy. Because these things in, in the world lose their luster very quick when we have heaven on our mind and it keeps us on mission into that calling that God gives us. Filtering minds through heaven keeps our priorities and focus in the right place. And this morning, church, I hope... I'm kind of wrapping up this morning. I'm, I'm just about done here. But um, I want to encourage you this morning. This isn't going to be like an altar call type of a service. But I really, my goal this morning was to really let you know what the real heaven is like. I think it's a travesty that the people of God don't know the real heaven. I think, and, and, and Satan has done such a magnificent job of making heaven look so unappealing that nobody really cares to even think about it. And if I were Satan, I would do the exact same thing because that's a great strategy because when you take the minds of the people of God off of the prize, then what do they have to run for? It's so easy to get distracted when you don't have the goal in mind. If you're a runner and you're preparing for a race, if you're preparing for a marathon, you eat differently, you train differently, you spend your time differently. You know, you, sometimes you spend... Uh, your time, uh, your relationships may look a little bit different when you're running because you have a goal in mind and you make sacrifices for that goal and you live differently because of that goal. But if you're just running to run, it's way easier to, you know, have an extra piece of dessert or it's way easier to just say no to this workout today because you don't really have anything that you're going for. I know when, when I used to run races, when I had a race in mind, that's when I did crazy things and that's when I lived differently. But then when I just tried to run just to run, it never really panned out because I needed to have that goal in mind. And church, we need to have that goal of heaven in mind. It's gotta, it should motivate us. It should be fun to daydream about. It should be fun to think about. It should be something that we look forward to. It should be something that we live for 
because it's gonna be in an amazing place and it won't get us distracted if we put that in our hearts and our minds. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And this isn't necessarily prayer, but I wanna paint a picture for you. I want you for a second, just close your eyes if you would. Most everybody in here can be trusted. No one's gonna, you know, shank you in the back or anything, I don't think. Close your eyes. Um, Imagine the most beautiful place that you can imagine. The most beautiful place, not even that you can imagine. I want you to imagine the most beautiful place you yourself have ever been to. A place that took your breath away, physically, like a location. Now, if you have that place in your mind, I want you to then just imagine yourself walking up into that location, and before you, you see a table, a huge table. And as you look at that table, you see friends and you see family, some of them here, some of them long gone, people you love. And they're getting ready to sit down, and they're all sitting down, but they're waiting for you to enjoy an incredible feast. You, see, you look on this table, and you see an amazing feast full of foods that, uh, that are just incredible. The smells from those foods are just making your mouth water. The temperature is incredibly perfect. And as you sit down at this table, and everybody's asking you to come and to hang out, and they're all excited to see you, you sit down at this table, and you're just about to eat, and then the guest of honor comes. Jesus shows up at your gathering. And he sits down with you, the savior of your life, your cheerleader for life, the one who loved you and pursued you and ran after you when no one else would. And you get to sit down and enjoy an amazing feast. Open your eyes. Everything I just told you is scriptural. That's heaven. That's our prize. That's that's what should be on our hearts and our minds. That's what we are working for. That is what we're That's what motivates us and helps us make decisions on this earth. Is this life on earth hard? Yes, it is, absolutely. Um, This life on earth was not meant to be our reward. It's meant to be a testing ground for us to see if we're gonna be worthy of the kingdom to come. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, you are awesome, Lord. I thank you, God, for creating heaven for us. I thank you, Lord, that um, you have put it in our hearts, God, your Bible says that you put eternity in the minds and the hearts of men and people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would let it be a driver in our lives so that we will come to that place, God, where we'll make decisions that line up with heaven and we'll make decisions that line up with the kingdom because we're going for that goal and we're going at it so hard that, Lord Jesus, you, uh, you recognize that, Father God. Jesus, I pray against the distractions that would come up and try to take our eyes off of heaven, the distractions that would come up and make this earth look enticing enough to want to get our focus and our mind and our heart off of you and off of heaven and the kingdom. Father God, I pray against those things, and I pray you give us the strength, God, in all the things that we've learned throughout these past four weeks to say no to those things, God, and to live a life that is kingdom-focused, God, to be a, a person in your kingdom who is a soldier, Father, someone in your kingdom who is recruiting people all the time, Lord, we love you and we give you thanks for inviting us to be a part of this life. It is so incredible and we love you so much for it. Jesus, I pray as we go about this week, especially, God, that our hearts and minds and our our imaginations will rest on this life that is yet to come, that we have not yet seen the fullness of your kingdom. And Father, help us to take as many people there as we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.